There we go, some Uncle Tupelo there to end that set. And then we got a guest in studio, as I talked about, community stories, things happening in the community, great things happening. It is 1030, and you are listening to A Minnesota Morning. I've got a guest in studio, and his name is Kyle Morozak. Did I say that right, Kyle? You nailed it. Perfect. <laughs> Good. He is with the Kiwanis Holiday Lights. He's the vice president. It's not an official paid position. It's one of those <laughs> volunteer positions, which... Kiwanis Holiday Lights would not exist without thousands of volunteers. So welcome, Kyle. Thank you. And that's the best way to put it is all of us are volunteers from top down. There's no paid positions. There's nobody in the park who uh, who makes money. Everybody is out there spending. Um, you know, some volunteers are out there three, four hours. Others, it's three, four hundred hours, if not more. But it is all volunteer driven. And we're very proud of that. Yeah. And the, our 4-H club has been involved for the last number of years, the North Mankato the, the North Cato Explorers 4-H Club, and you've seen some of them working down uh-huh. there, and they've helped do everything from string lights to, to put cords away to uh, helping straighten up the shop. I mean, just whatever. People are just told, this is what you do. Here's where you do it. It's It runs like a well-oiled machine. You know, after nine years, we think we figured a few things out. And, and you know, my experiences from volunteering over the years is you want to be busy. You don't want to come down and stand around. So No, it's that's always, the worst thing for a volunteer yeah. to do. And, and sometimes, you know, you get, you know, there are groups that finish ahead of schedule. So it takes a little while to kind of regroup and what's the next project. But there's, you know, a lot of key positions down, whether it's at the park as we set up, whether we tear down or even running the event. But... Funny enough, my sister volunteered last night. She lives in Cass, and she came over for a nonprofit group that she's a part of. And she said, man, you guys are organized. Like, I get in the trailer. I'm told what to do. You have snacks. You have food for for dinner. I'm just being told what to do. And before I know it, the night's over. I'm like, well, that's good, right? Yeah. She said, no, it's great. It's great, yeah. So this is this the actual 10th year? Because I know we skipped 2020 because of all the COVID thing. So is this officially the 10th anniversary? This is the 9th oh, year. Oh, it's the 9th. Okay. It's, we started in 2012. This is the 9th year of the lights going on. So we still don't know what the heck to call last year if we say right. yes or no. It or, just sort of was it, vanished. It was tough. It was really tough for us. Oh. I mean, I think that was one of the toughest decisions we had. What we do you worked, do? Yeah, yeah Nobody we worked knew. every possible scenario to try to make it happen last year. And eventually, you know, in a meeting off the record kind of with people, I went, we can't do this. And, yeah. and we all, I think, were thinking it. Um, but it was the right decision. And now we're back bigger and stronger than ever this year. Well, let's talk about what is the Kiwanis Holiday Lights. So somebody who's never heard of this thing, they'll say, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is it? I know it's something that's very, very bright. Yeah, the elevator speech, if you will. Yes. Um, what is Kiwanis Holiday Lights? We started in 2012 as a nonprofit that wanted to have um, a big event to put on. And we started with, I'd say, about six or 700,000 lights that got up in Sibley Park, um, in the lower part of Sibley Park, in one side of it. And we're up to 1.8 or so million lights. Woo. It's an event that starts the Friday after Thanksgiving and runs all the way through New Year's Eve. So we're open every single night. It's a free event. We also like to hang our head on that. It's a free event. So um, we do take food and cash donations. We have 20 different food shelves involved, and they split all those From food From southern items. Minnesota. Oh, it's all over. I mean, you're talking probably a 40 to 50-mile radius wow. of, of Mankato. And with the, the, the status of some of the food shelves, this event is huge for them, especially the smaller communities. I mean, they might leave with, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred pounds of food, which is which is huge. And then the cash donations go to growing the event and go back to our nonprofit. This year we have 60 partner nonprofits. Um, they are the only ones who have signage in the park. So if you go through the park, there's a ton of different things. But on the east side of the park, 
every nonprofit decorates their tree. They get their name in front of it, so they get in front of 150, 175,000 people who go through the park, and they are the ones who help us set up, who help us tear down, who help us run the event, but then they split some of the proceeds, and they get the opportunity to be in front of all those people. So it is an event that is bigger than any one of us and has grown, I think, beyond our wildest dreams. I mean, we know what it could be, but I don't think you ever had... The you had an idea. To, yeah. I think you had an idea, but you never actually realized when you step back and go, "Wow, what it, this is amazing!" So it's an event you can walk through. You can come in on Sibley Parkway and drive through, which is important for cold nights or people who might not be able to get out and walk. Um, one of the important things about walking, we do get this question, is it's the path and everything is 100% handicapped accessible. So you can go in our, our shelters and warm up. The path is paved and there's ways to get up and on it, which I think is really important. And you can walk through and we've got a synthetic skating rink. We've got a playground that's lit up. We've got uh, the the Mankato Area Foundation Giving Barn. You can uh, take pictures in, and it's another warming shelter. On the weekends, we've got Santa that you can come and see. We've got live reindeer. We've got concessions and mini donuts, which I had no idea, Karen. <laughs> mini donuts are like the fan favorite of the year. It's that is that new? Because I don't remember those mini donuts. I think we had them a couple years oh. ago, but we ended up buying a new machine, so we could be more, more consistent this year. And our concession manager is doing an amazing job. Lori's doing a great job and to try to keep up she's like I thought it was supposed to be a slow night and it is just flying in there um, you know we've got lights set to music we've got a tunnel people can drive through two tunnels people can walk through pit- pixel lights you can easily spend an hour down there walking around the next time you go you'll see something different and new you know looking back at the history of this I've been in Mankato since 1988 so I've been around a long time the places that people used to go were draw a merry circle up in North Mankato and that used to be the place you'd all drive yep. and they had i know that the kiwanis holiday light has a number of the decorations the big wooden things that yeah. those folks had years ago because you know people get older they move away you know the trees got too big to put lights on or <laughs> that's you know, the biggest that's thing the I biggest thing because i remember on was it broad street or second street one of those that used to the entire street used to be lined with lights but i mean some of those trees are just too yeah. big to physically do it now so the buses used to come through so much and then it was sort of a uh I guess a, a break and really nothing. And then the the Kiwanis holiday lights came in. So it was neat to see that because for a while it kind of waned a little bit. I, and, and you picked up on, on, on a great point of that. I mean, what part of our mission was to build on past traditions. And we knew, you know, I moved here in 2003 for my job. So a couple of years out of college. Um, and so I never got to see Broad Street or Mary Circle. Oh, I yeah. think it was about that time where they were going It was amazing things that the homeowners dark. did, yeah. Yeah, and, and there are people on our committee who worked for, um, you know, GMG, you know, the Chamber of Commerce back at the time, and helped give tours of those spots yes. and jumped on and talked about Mankato. And so there is that connection to the past. And you're right, a bunch of the characters that are out there are from Mary Circle. Some of the other displays came, came from Broad Street. So there is that connection. And all the characters this year, thanks to um, one of our wonderful volunteers wendy she repainted everything oh, and refurbished wow. everything and we added some but those those um, displays those characters got a, a facelift and they look incredible well that's the cool thing is you've added a new thing so if you've gone before it's probably a little different uh, yeah, this year especially. I mean, think about it. We had two years to get ready for right. this. So um, what's new? Like, what won't people recognize from the past? I think when we added it up, there was 22 new displays that are in the park, which is pretty amazing because we're not talking about, you know, three-foot-high displays here. Um, we've got a train that measures, I think, what, 16, 12 feet high maybe, Ooh. and 
24 or 28 feet long. We got another section to add to that that's in the middle of the park. Um, we added a cool little river. If As you drive out the park, you'll see a river coming down the hill. What looks wow. like a river. That was a neat idea. We um, what quadrupled the amount of snowmen that we had in Dancing Lights, and that's a tribute to one of our, our donors who helped start us off with the Mankato Area Foundation. We've got a new tunnel that you can walk through that's uh, pixelated, so it changes all colors. It's not just flashing red and green. It, it You can do amazing things with that stuff. We're learning the technology, and we've got a guy behind the scenes, Mike, who is incredibly smart and does some amazing things with that and uh gosh what else do we knew up uh, new up in the barn area there's you know a handful of those new characters there is a big 12 foot by 12 foot tunnel or a uh, present and uh until we put it up i don't think we envisioned how cool it was that's the picture spot it's right really? outside the giving barn uh, it lights everything up so you need light for your pictures and it is perfect i mean that is the spot to take pictures i you know and and unbeknownst to us karen We've become a very popular spot for people to propose. Ooh, and, yes. how uh, many do you I, know? I have people told you? Or oh yeah, one year. This? One year we had like eleven or twelve. Oh it my was gosh! Crazy. And now they, you know, they've come down to take wedding pictures down there. They're bringing their family. You know, this might have been three, four, five years ago. Oh wow! And so that present, I think, is going to be one of those spots where we're going to see that happen too. Nice. Um, so those are the biggest displays that you're going to see. You Ooh. know, uh, the most. Of. I want to ask about the tree because the tree in the middle, the colored tree, has always been a focal point too and it seems like it I think wasn't it something about it grows each year gets taller and taller (laughs) that was kind of a thing that I remember hearing about it was so tall and you know and then it got added and and it just kept getting bigger and I thought it was supposed to be added on that's maybe that's a rumor. Uh, well, you ten know, feet every year we'll, or something. We'll keep that rumor going. We'd like to grow it more. It's just uh, we can go as high as these lifts will get us. Oh, okay. you know that's really what we're limited to. Um, you know, so that tree has the option. I think we can make it anywhere from about forty-five to sixty feet. Based how tall off, is that now? Um, it's somewhere probably close to fifty. Okay, just based off how high our lift would get, and then you plop the you know the star up there is like four feet high. Okay, so you don't realize it when you're hundreds yeah. of feet away. You go, oh, it's a little star, and then we I took it off shelf to bring it out there i'm like holy cow this thing is huge um because i always considered that kind of a focal point too it's it's kind of become that one thing that that if you were to pick anything you know might be the driving tunnel but that that's where people take their pictures they head on one of the docks they stand that's in the background i think if you show that picture i think you're right karen if you show that picture that's what people say oh yeah kiwanis holiday lights and the one thing i've noticed through the years is it keeps expanding so i remember it was kind of all when you drive in the left side of the road was like everything (laughs) Everything was there and you'd look left. Now it's you go look right. And I thought, I wonder if the whole park is going to be full one day or, or, you know, are there boundaries? There are. um, I think if you ask that question to a bunch of our spouses, um, they they may (laughs) say they may say differently um, because, you know, the way it is, it takes five weekends to set up. And if we grow too much more, that's going to I mean, all of a sudden we're setting up in September. I don't think. I don't think that'd go over too well. Cause it's, a, it's those weekends. They're fun, but they're, it's a lot of work. Right. Um, but we have added. I mean, you're right. The best spot for that park the first couple of years was the driver. And that's not necessarily who you want the best spot to be. They got to pay attention to where they're driving a right. little bit. So, you know, initially the, we, it was the electrical infrastructure. And what we did is each year we'd, we'd go under the road and we'd be able to add to a certain Yeah, I was going to ask about that because you tremendous amount of a number of electrical cords yes. that it takes to to run that so how do you do that without 
I guess, electrocuting somebody or, <laughs> you know, have liability issues, that sort of thing. Because it just amazes me how you can have so many lights without blowing up something. Um, well, it's a, you know, it's a great question. Um, most of the cords, if not all of them, people can't really, you know, we've got our, our walking path and we ask people to stay on the path where they right. need to be. Uh, the, the cords aren't going where anyone can really trip over them or touch them. And that was important for us for safety purposes. Um, and, and you get smart, you know, you know what overloads certain areas. And, and we have very various little power boxes that probably no one sees throughout the park. And we can daisy chain a lot together again because we made the decision from the get-go that we were going to be an LED park. It's, That's what it's, I was going to ask you. Has that changed through the years? Because I think back when we had those lights that used to produce heat and everything, heat. and I was thinking if your tree gets too dry, you're going to burn your house down, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so has it always been LED? Or at the beginning, did they even have that many LEDs? We had LED lights. It, it cost more. I mean, right. it was, I think at the time, it was three or four times more to, to yeah. buy it. But we knew from um, the electricity side would be significantly cheaper. And that's what we get asked that question a lot. And I think to run the park, we, we have a meter out there that runs most of the park. It's 25 to 30 bucks a night. Okay. It's not as expensive as people think. Again, LED doesn't draw as much power, but the LED lights are more durable. Anybody who's come and set up the lights, obviously if a cord is frayed or tore apart, we can't use those. But they'd be like, oh, this bulb is broken. That's fine. You get those old bulbs. Those and old one strings, is out and everything's out. And everything's out. out. Yeah. And so this is one of those where you can lose a bulb or two and that, that strand okay. of lights is fine. But And that's really the key part of it. Those, li- those LED lights don't draw as much power and so it allows us to do a lot of that. But we have expanded. We've added more power you know, going under and, and to different parts and allows us to expand. I don't think we'll ever expand the uh, the driving loop, but I think you might see more at the entrances where we can go a little bit further, more, like you said, on the right-hand side mm-hmm. of the park that adds to it where most people aren't walking. So it, so it is pretty safe. And I would bet, gosh, last count, it was like 15 or 16 miles of extension cords. It's amazing, mm-hmm. especially if you go down to the dancing lights area because every strand or every color in certain areas has to be on its own because it gets told what to turn on and off. You can't plug everything into one because then you turn everything off. So that's a, you got really got to know what you're doing down there. A couple of years ago when we volunteered with our 4-H group, the North Cato Explorers, we were assigned the, the tunnel. Yeah. And so there was this whole giant board of sockets, or I don't know what you call them, but each one had to be plugged in because each one, like you said, has a different set yep. of lights that, you know, this runs the yellow lights, this runs the whichever. And it was just incredible. And, and they were all coded to be a certain length that had to be here. And, and it was quite a process, but I was just amazed at how after, you know, people putting them away and taking them out, et cetera, they were still kind of in an order where it made sense. Yeah, and you get the right person leading. I think everybody who sets up the town goes, this much? And then it yeah. all gets done and it works and they're going, oh, and it's, it's uh, you learn what you're doing. You learn how to be efficient through the process. But yeah, I think the first year I worked in that area too, I'm going, Whoa. we need all these cords? This yeah. is nuts. But you understand the why. Yeah. And then eventually we grew it out more. So it wasn't all from one area. It's to different areas yeah. and it's to different parts. But that's why they said, this is a lot of cords. And I said, well... Each of those tunnel arches that you drive yeah. through, I think, has five strands of light. So it's really not there. that much. I mean, think about your small little Christmas tree. We might have five strands of lights on there, and that just has one extension cord. So Yeah, but they're all, they're all like you said, run computerized, yeah. that, that computerized stuff. Has that changed through the years, too? Because, I mean, I don't think there was a significant technology maybe back when you first started as there is now as sophisticated yeah a lot of the stuff we do has stayed the same um it is the same company but the pixel lights that i was talking about that you'll see in the new walking tunnel as you go through that and then on the other side of the park on the east side of the park we have three 
what looks like fabricated Christmas trees. And on there, we've got light bulbs singing songs. You can do whatever you want. And that's the next evolution of it. That is not inexpensive, and it's something we want to pursue a lot more, but you're looking at a significant cost increase. And that's something that, you know, maybe next year, Karen, for year 10, you might go solicit a few donors and say, here's our vision. Can you help us get there? We'll take care of the programming. But that stuff has become, like you said, significantly more mainstream. I think up in in North Mankato, Omega Court has a lot of that. That's a new neighborhood that has come up. And we're thrilled when that happened. Even last year when we had to go dark, there was a lot more people in neighborhoods putting up lights, which was really cool to see. That was fantastic. It's it's sort of, I guess, it's kind of makes you want to just do something more for your own well, e- even at my house, I had way more lights last year, and now I- I'm back to what we used to do. And my kids are like, are you going to do any more, Dad? I'm like, yeah, I'll try to find time to get out there and put some more up. But, uh, you know, the, the Kiwanis Holiday Lights took priority. How many volunteers does it take? I mean, I know that's that's actually probably increased over the years because obviously it's grown. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. On any given weekend on setup, we have two shifts on each Saturday and Sunday. The first weekends we probably have between 60 and 70. So, you know, along with leadership, you're looking at probably 300 those first two weekends. And then the next weekends we kind of wane down. So just for setup, you're probably looking at anywhere from 1,300 to 1,500. On each given night, there's about two. We we need about 20 to 24 people to run the park along with leadership. And then teardown, that's where we take as many people as possible. And we take that thing down with, you know, 70 or 80 volunteers in two and a half, three days. Yeah, and we've been and, a part of that as and, well. And most of it's done. And that and that I, can be on a really cold day because oh it's, it's, what, January January 1st. 1st. This year it's January 1st and 2nd oh. and then I think the 8th because the 1st falls be really on a... Cold. Oh, gosh, there's nothing that... Uh, there's nothing that makes you celebrate the new year on New York time, like knowing it's going to be 19 <laughs> below zero and you got to get up and tear down Christmas lights. Uh, right. You go to bed a little earlier that night. Yeah, so well over 1000 maybe $2,000? Yeah, I'd say, say when it's all said and done, if you add everything up, I think the number that our volunteer coordinator came up with a couple of years ago was somewhere around twenty two or 2300 volunteers. That is amazing that, you know, because that is a lot of people to... To corral, and it's awesome. I mean, the the nonprofits share in the in the profits, but you know, you look at the kids who come and help out. Whether it's you know some of our kids, some of your kids, or you know high school groups, um, some of the like key clubs or Circle K from campus. We have so many athletes from here at MSU Mankato that come out, some kids from the Gustavus sport teams, the Bethany sport teams, and then you get all sorts in between. So it's neat to see the ownership that you get from, you know, what is it, from kids from age of what, 1 to 92. What am I forgetting the Christmas song? You know, kids ages 1 to 92 one, or whatever. To yeah, it's to 92. But, you know, you get <laughs> or that. Or more. Or more. You, you get that big gamut and you just, you see those people go, oh, I helped here. And they come back and see the park. And there is that ownership. And that, I think we strive for that from the beginning to make this project bigger than us. Yeah, and, and we have done that. I know my kids too, because when they see our tree from our club, that's all exciting because they we all have a night when everybody yep. puts makes the ornaments and that kind of thing and a day when we can put up the tree and different groups participate. And that is one of our club's biggest fundraisers. Yeah. So, and I mean, it, it, it helps so many people. Yeah. And, and that's uh, that's the key part of it is, you know, A, it's, you know, getting the groups involved, but B, it gives some money back to them. And, you know, for a lot of people, it puts them in front of 175,000 yeah. people. It's advertising that as these people walk through a drive through they may look in their program or go, what is that? And that I think all the nonprofits are always looking for ways to get their name out to other people. Do you know how much money has been returned to some of the nonprofits <sighs> in the community? Is there a figure? Let, let's see here. 
here that I I didn't look at these numbers. Um, I knew these ever after every year. You know, I'm like off the top of your yeah. head. I think the food raised is somewhere around 105 tons of food Woo. over the past eight years, which mm-hmm. is incredible. And I want to say the donations are somewhere around four. Somewhere between four hundred and ten and four hundred and thirty thousand dollars. I think this year, if we go well, we'll exceed a half a million dollars given back total for the total years. for the nine okay. years, which yeah. is incredible. When you came to think of this in two thousand eleven, us pitching this idea to the city of Mankato and a bunch of businesses, going, "We have this idea. This is what we hope it could become." And now it's come to fruition. Now, were you one of the co-founders of this? I, I was. I said yes in 2011, and I've spent a lot of time on this. Who else has, was the other person there? Um, Scott Wojcik is our president. He was the guy who came up with the idea. Um, Scott and I had kind of, I'm not going to say toiled, but we did a lot of the smaller fundraisers for Kiwanis, and we really wanted to find something that we could spend a lot more time and energy on that would yield a bigger benefit and also be something our club could be proud of. So between him and Meyer Nurstead and Joe Meidel and Eric Olison, um, I think those were the five of us. And then there's people like Shannon Gullickson and a few others who've been a part pretty close to that initial really push. Um, but it was an idea and it took probably close to 18 or 20 months to really go from the idea to to turning on the lights that first year. You know, when you look at things like this, you guys are still around. When you get older, you might get move away or something. Are are there people coming in behind you that are as enthusiastic? Because I was just thinking, I saw the North Mankato Civic and Commerce this morning oh, and yeah. how Danny Kemp passed away, and he was the one essentially that planned and made that parade happen every year. And now it's like, well, what, what happens when that, you know, something changes like that? How are you guys set up? Um, we've got a we've got a broad leadership team, and I think we all excel in certain areas. I mean, that's that's the, this has grown. If you would have asked me questions about the operation in 2014, Karen, I probably could have told you everything. Oh. And now you get well. I know concessions is doing this, but I don't know everything that's going okay. on there. We got a committee that runs the parade, so we've diversified a lot of those areas where they have you know somebody leading the charge. There are still certain things that you know inevitably those of us on the, on the executive board or on the on the board you know, do, you know, we're always going to do until you train that next person. But you hope that every year you're growing. And we are, we get more rangers who run the park. We get more people who take some form of a leadership position and you hope, you hope other people yeah, grow yeah. into it. But I'd say, you know, from top down, we've certainly leveled that out with a lot more of those committees and you put good people in those spots and then you don't really have to worry about it as much. They come to you with a few questions, but you let them go. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the important thing is to to continue things like this. Yeah. I know Duluth has become well known for their lights. Absolutely. And Mankato is becoming well known. Uh, how do we compare? Do you think to other communities? Do you have any sense? Um, we do things differently in some ways. Um, you know, we really mimicked the the rotary lights in Lacrosse. We oh. went there, and I think it was the it was a couple of times in 2011. Saw their event in 2011, and they were more than willing to share their ideas, mm-hmm. which was amazing to us but we shared a lot of the same beliefs we wanted it to be a free event we wanted it to be all volunteers nobody get paid and so they were really willing to help and that's where we patterned um, ours after after we wanted a spot where you could drive through we wanted a spot where you could also walk through we thought that was really important and so that's unique in some areas they just have a drive-through like I know there's a nice display up in Wilmer I think Brainerd used to have one uh, Duluth you can only walk through and of okay. course Duluth's got the reflection off the lake, which, which is, is amazing. Oh, you can't mimic that. That's yeah. just incredible. Um, well, and, you and could move closer to the river. I'm just saying. <laughs> we're pretty close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're about <laughs> as close as you could get. Right. Um, you know, we just have a few things in between us. Um, but 
we're unique in that sense. We're also unique. Duluth does have some paid employees. We're 100% oh, volunteer driven. Uh, lacrosse is all, and those are the ones that, again, are the closer, bigger displays. Mm-hmm. Now, you certainly have some that have popped up, like Seavers along 169, that's yep. just a drive through. And they and charge, don't they? They charge, yeah. yep. And so, you know, we try to stick to our guns. If we want to be a free event, we don't want advertising in the park. We want to be volunteer driven. And yet, you know, people are generous. When you say it's a free event and we still accept cash and food, people are very generous and they come back multiple times if they want, which is important. Are there certain things that the food shelves need that maybe you could talk about on the air? So if people are going, they maybe can think about that as they <laughs> you, go shopping? You know, I, do, I don't have a, a direct answer for that oh, because okay. we have so many different ones. Sure. And it varies each night who is collecting. So, you know, I you know, there's one that was there last night. There's a different one there tonight. Okay. Sometimes they're back to back, but they come that night. And, you know, I think there's the initial years you had somebody show up in a small little car and we're like you're going to need a bigger vehicle and we open the trailer and they get on the phone and call somebody else to come help pick it up so that's always fun you know i think it's probably most things that the food shelves are, are looking for you know i spent some time yeah i spent some time volunteering at echo and they talked about you know the usual stuff but it, the generosity simply is overwhelming i know we had one food shelf in a smaller community let us know that after the event, they were full for the next six months because wow. of Qantas Holiday that's Lights, huge which, is, uh, which is incredible. I mean, yeah. that's that's an amazing story to tell. Right. So there is no cost. It is free, but it, you can bring a non-perishable food item or cash is always appreciated because I know they can make those stretch those dollars more yep. than, than you can in your own grocery store. So that is a, a cool thing yeah. to help others. Yeah. And, and, you know, the cash really does go back to those nonprofits. And I think after COVID and last year, those nonprofits are needing, you know, that extra dollars as much as possible. And so we were basically a cash event. So we'd collect the cash and now we've added the texting to give and you can give via Venmo and PayPal. So you kind of get, as you drive in the park, you get a free program if you want it. They've got one of those QR codes that I think was all the rage like 10 years ago and kind of went away and now it's coming back. And it brings you right to the page where it gives you the texting number. It gives you the the link to Venmo. gives you a link to, to PayPal. We're trying a unique uh, credit card giving option for people on a few nights this year. So we're trying to bridge that gap of if you're like me, I don't always carry cash. You know, I think we've trained people to come down to the park, but when you go into concessions, they take cards there. So oh, when your nice. kids need a hot chocolate or you want those <laughs> mini donuts or whatever it is, we got souvenir mugs now, which are really cool. Um, you know, there they, they take the cards for sure every night. You mentioned mini donuts. My 14-year-old is never going to leave that concession stand, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Uh, we the the line has been long for those, so we apologize oh. in advance. It's become incredibly popular, and and uh, um, our concession manager, I think I was running the park Sunday, and she said, "I expect it to be slow tonight." It was not slow tonight, and I'm like, "That's great. That's what we want." You just opened right after Thanksgiving, we right? did, and so how? If, so one weekend down, I guess. So how have things been going so far? Really well. We'll. I mean, we'll, we've had some kind of warmer nights. We've had great weather. Yeah. We'll see how. Uh, we'll see how the park looks today after the rain last night. Right. Anytime you get your first precipitation, yeah. um, that can that can be some fixing up the next day. Right. Crowds have been great. People have been generous. Um, you know, I think everybody's loving out there except maybe the reindeer. They might be looking for colder weather, um, but they're fun to have. I still, I get to How go How many there. reindeer are there? There's four reindeer. They're all they're all ladies. Um, okay. There's a bunch of facts around it. So if you walk around it, you can learn nice. a little bit about it. And, and I still feel like a kid because we get to go in there and feed them at nights when oh, we're in the park. And fun. I still get, it's cool to go in there. Yeah. And, and sometimes they're very friendly and they forget they have 
big sharp antlers on their heads. So you have to, you got to pay attention a little bit. But they are. Uh, that's still really cool to see. I, I get a kick out of going in there. Every, and do many people use the skating rink? I was just curious because you know if if you're just driving through, you might not think to bring your skates. So I mean, what do you do? Just bring your skates? Are there skates to rent, or how does that work? You got to bring your skates. Okay. I think that's one of the 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 hangups there. We expected it to be a little more popular, but it is synthetic. So even in the warm weather, you can go out there and skate, which is nice. I know I saw pictures of kids skating last night. Um, but you got to bring your skates, and that's one thing that, you know, even us, we just got s- skates for our kids last year. So and even they've got a warming there, house. They've got a warming house, and, yeah, so it's synthetic, so you can skate in everywhere. It's not it's not maybe as smooth as really good ice, but for those people who are more casual, it's it's yeah. it's a great opportunity. You're under the lights. It's, unique, it's a unique atmosphere, and I think it was a great addition, you know, in the first couple of years of this, and, and we're obviously looking to go, how can we make this bigger and better, and, you know, whether, whether uh, you know, we added the warming house, which was really nice. But, yeah, you have to bring your skates. you got to be thinking ahead if you want to mm-hmm. do that. So that's where, you know, maybe people come back the second time and remember bring, their skates. Bring your skates. Yep. When is the best time to go, Kyle? Um, I mean, okay. it, when, you know, because I think people don't like to wait in lines, but they're used to waiting in lines. Uh, weekends, I'm sure, because you have Santa, don't you? Yeah. Weekends are, if you're driving in the park, if you come in, you either turn in what popular Sibley Parkway or, and then you go under the trestle and you come in off Sibley Parkway all the way around down by the river um, that you mentioned and you come in the park. Those weekends, especially as we get closer to Christmas, so maybe not this weekend, but but the next weekend. The lines will be anywhere from an hour to two hours long. Oh. It's really long. So if you're going to drive through, just be prepared for that. Bring your, have um, your kids have snacks or something to keep them active. Exactly, the- exactly. Um, the weeknights are significantly less. So if you're in town or, or you're close, um, that's easier for you to go and drive through. But, you know, in my mind, the best time is still being able to park close, park down by CHS. They've got a big parking lot that they let us use and walk through the park. I still think that if you can walk through, it's the best. And, and if you're in town... Karen, if you ask me the best time to go is that night when we're getting three or four inches of snow and nobody wants to go out. Uh If you can go down there when it's snowing, it is unbelievable. I still remember the first time I was down there running the park. I think it was the first year. It was cool. Everything, you know, the gro- you know, ground, the ground is brown. And you got some green, and then when you get that white snow and all the lights reflect oh, off of nice. it, and you're out there, and it's like a snow globe. It's really, I tell, and you got to be safe, so you don't want to encourage people to, you know, make a 20 minute drive in a blizzard to get there. But if you're <laughs> right. in town and it's snowing and you feel comfortable. To get down there and then walk through the park on that, it is it is that old iconic picture that you see. It's just amazing. So it's open seven days a week, and what are the hours? Just so yeah, we've never closed. So in nine plus year, eight plus years now, we've never closed. So now it's getting to be a badge of honor. If you got the snowy night or the cold night, you gotta you gotta plow through. Buckle up. Yeah, yeah we're we're open five to nine every Sunday through Thursday. Okay. Um, and then Friday and Saturdays, there's a bonus hour. We're open up five to ten. Um, Santa is in the park Friday, Saturday and Sunday from 5 to 9, so you can go in and see them. I think he's got candy canes or some mints to give, and then every kid gets a, a coloring, a big coloring page. Um, the concessions are open every night. We're open. The skating rink's open every night. We're open. Um, and everything, it's really a full go outside of, I think, on what uh, Santa's last night is the 19th, because okay. I think Christmas Eve is a Friday, and Santa's a little busy that night, I think, getting right. ready and, and getting going. So, um, But, yeah, the weekends are busy. If you can come during the week, that's, that's definitely the time to go. Well, it sounds wonderful, and thank you so much for your work in volunteering and all the other thousands of uh, people who have put many, many hours in. Uh, We're talking about the Kiwanis Holiday Lights in Sibley Park in Mankato, and as Kyle says, you know, get out there and enjoy it during the week maybe it's not as crowded but if you got people coming in town i guess you have to go when you can go and just expect to wait and just 
you know, just plan ahead. Yeah, and and really walking through. If you can get, you might walk a few blocks, but then yeah. you're really not waiting. Then you get to, you're only waiting because there's a lot of people in front of you. You just got to go through the park slower and you'll see more. And, and if you need more information, I tell people, you know, we're on all the social media sites, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook's really good. Um, we got a lot of people who share pictures on Instagram because it really is a visual event. But the website, QantasHolidayLights.com, has all the information, you know, of anything special going on on certain nights and all the information about our nonprofit partners and sponsors and everything else on there. That's the place to go. Kyle, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, and I'm sure it'll be a great season for you. I hope we get a little snow to make it nice and white. Exactly, and thanks for your help and and everybody who's been out there. You're right, thousands of volunteers. It it takes a village, and we've got a great village supporting us. All right, you take care. Thank you. And Merry Christmas. Same to you. All right, thanks. It is two minutes past 11, and you are listening to A Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at KMSU.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato, Big ID.